This is week one of a new teaching series that uh, we are going to embark upon here for the next couple weeks. Um, there's things that's coming on that's going to, uh, I think there's missionaries will be coming soon to, as well, and we're always looking forward to that. We love the missionaries that uh, come and share stories about what God's doing and how that we as a church are partnering with them to build God's kingdom here in our local community, uh, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Um, that fulfills the great commission and the great uh, commandments all in one stride because Jesus told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature that would listen. And some people are more like creatures than they are human. <laughs> Amen. You might as well go tell them about Jesus, if nothing else. But the uh, series about the king, and when we say the king, we're talking about King Solomon from the Old Testament, and uh, he was the third in line in the kingdom of God. In Israel, they asked for a king because they desired one for themselves. And sometimes God will give you what you ask for, but be careful what you ask for. Amen. I'd rather have his way than my way. And those children of Israel were desirous of a king because neighboring nations had a king. We have to be careful to not want to be like the world because our citizenship is in heaven as the New Testament tells us that we're a royal priesthood you and I all are a royal priesthood we're a child of the king and I was speaking to somebody last night and we was talking about um, Randy Thompson and I don't know how many know Randy Thompson from up Garrison that passed away several years ago, but they was talking about how that they had spoken to Randy, and Randy was a pretty hard-living type of guy when he was a hard-living type of guy. But my mom witnessed him over and over and over again, and he got sick of listening to her and finally gave in <laughs> and gave his life to God. And when he did, he was all in. And uh, the guys talked to last night said that Randy told him, said, it's like I'm an only child. That's what it feels like to be a Christian. It feels like God has poured all his blessings and his favor and his presence and his prestige upon me, and I'm living in freedom for the first time in my life. And anybody that's ever given your life to God, you know what I'm talking about. And it makes sense what Randy said. It feels like I'm an only child. The way I don't have to share my stuff with Ned and Howie. I was more of the second in line, so I was the hand-me-down captain. Poor baby. Poor baby. Tell them, Aunt Mary. Aunt Mary was there. She witnessed it. But sometimes in um, families... Everything is hunky-dory as long 
as the matriarch and patriarch are there. Can anybody say amen? But the second it comes into realization that things are fixing to change, families divide over substance of the things of this world. And I can tell you right now, it means nothing. And this may be a sensitive subject, but we need to take it in stride because lessons from this story will teach us that the more we get, the more we're responsible for. Look to your neighbor and say, be careful what you ask for. Mom and dad a few years ago went down to the attorney here in town and setting up their estate and trying to figure out what all they was going to do. And Mom called me and I was at work and she said, uh, the lawyer says you have to take something. Because I told her I want nothing. Everybody know what nothing is? It means nothing. I want nothing. Leave it to Howie and Etta and that way they have to worry about it. <laughs> Let them do all the work, keeping it up and all that. It's all on them. She said, well, he says, you can't get nothing. You have to have something. I said, well, I don't want nothing. Nothing is what I'm after. I don't have kids. I'm not going to pass it along. Ned and Howie has kids. They can pass it along. Brimley's sitting back there hoping, yeah, pour it all on me. She's, she's ready to take it all in. But some reason, the attorney says, you can't do that. But I guess that would give me a right to go back and challenge and say they messed up and ripped me off, but even though I said I want nothing because it's not in writing. Poor baby. Aunt Mary's right. So finally, she just wouldn't quit until I said, okay, I know what I want. She's like, oh, really? Awesome. She's thinking this big outlandish, going to ask for a third of all of it or something. And it ain't like they got a lot, a lot of junk. That's what I've always told all my nieces and nephews. You'll get my stuff, but it'll most likely be a big pile of junk because I'm going to wear it out. I'm going to... I'm going to race, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to live life to its fullest, and whatever's left you can have. But I said, I, I want that, uh, that gun. She's like, really, that gun? I was like, yeah. She's like, man, Dad must have some kind of really awesome gun or something. And I was like, yeah, that's that one down. You remember he kept out in the woodshed outside? It's literally rusted. <laughs> I would doubt that it would fire. <laughs> and that's what I'll take. So that's what's in their document, and this is on record now because we're recording, so I have uh, give my will and testament here in this place that all my nieces and nephews can have my junk. They can do whatever they want with it. So I get a shotgun, and then they can fight over that when they want it. But Solomon was... How many's ever read the book of Kings? I just want to show hands, and there's no condemnation in this at all. That have, have you ever read the book of Kings in the Old Testament? If you haven't, I encourage you to go through and read it when we're in this series so that you can kind of glean some things, and I'm sure you'll find truths because there's two full books of Kings um, that uh, you need to read. You should read, and there's a lot of stuff in them. Uh, there's more to the Bible than the New Testament. The Old Testament is just as important. Jesus said, I didn't come to tear down the law, but to fulfill the law. 
And he says that God would write the law upon the tablets of our heart. And we need to read the scripture to understand the things of God. So the book of Kings, dig in as we're on this journey. We're going to read just a few verses through the weeks here and try to put out some points and things that I'm thinking of um, as far as King Solomon. But to kind of lay the groundwork, King Solomon was a man um, who was third in line as far as kings go in Israel, as I said a minute ago. Everybody say third time's charm. Third time's <laughs> king Saul, the first king, messed up pretty badly. So badly that he ended up committing suicide to keep from being killed in war. He had abandoned everything that God had told him, had showed him. God placed prophets around him. There was judges placed around him. He should have had nothing but success because God anointed him as king because the people of God wanted a king. Be careful what you ask for. How many's heard of King Saul? King Saul? So he's an old timer, right? And when he goes to getting in trouble, God looks forward because God's always got a plan. Amen. Amen? Even though we mess up and cause disturbances and make messes out of our situations, God's still got a plan. You know why? Because he's the great redeemer. Amen? He will cause all things to work together for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't mess up bad enough to throw God's plan off. He's going to accomplish his will on this planet in his way, in his time, when he sees fit. Now, we can mess up a lot of things along the journey, and like I said last week, my life has a wake behind me. But that don't mean God can't fix it. Amen. So as you think about these things and ponder these things that we're talking about, you can't break it bad enough that God can't fix it. Because we've broke our lives. Amen. We've, we've messed up our lives. And we think that it just seems like this isn't fixable, that I've got such a disarray going on that I don't think God can fix it. But guess what? The Bible says that he made man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils and the man become flesh and breath of life come into him. And when God spoke that spirit into him, he began to breathe and life began to happen. If God made us, he can fix us. I heard a story this past week about Henry Ford. Somebody's broke down along the side of the road and somebody was coming through and he's over there trying to fix his car and, and somebody come through in this big... Uh, lustrous vehicle and it's like you know they seen it stop and it's like why is he stopping here why is somebody in that kind of vehicle going to stop and help me with my little piece of junk and the guy got out of the car and said hey can I help help you fix your car he's like sir you're in a suit I'm standing here in a mud puddle and you're in a suit and he asked the guy he said well why would you want to help me? And the guy in the suit said, my name's Henry Ford, and I invented that car, 
and I don't want my reputation out here on the highway broke down, and I'm willing to fix this car. I build it. I know every piece of it. I know every inch of it, and I can fix it. And that's an imagery of God. He is our creator. He created us in Christ Jesus, it says. And if he created us, then he can fix us. Amen. How many believes that God is a fixer? Amen. He can touch things that we break and it be healed in an instant. He can take your mess and make it a message for his kingdom. So Saul was a master mess up. His story throughout, and if you read through all of Saul's doings, it's like he breaks it trying to break it. It's like he intends to break it. It's like, I want to mess it up so bad that God can't fix it, just to prove how powerful I am as a king. But thanks be to God. God knows better than us. So in the end of Saul's days, God sees and forecasts that there's going to be problems, there's going to be trouble for the nation of Israel. And God tells the prophet, go out and find this young guy over here on the hillside, and you're going to go out and find this family, and whenever you go to that family, you're going to find the next king there, and you're going to anoint him. With, with an anointing, When the anointing of God rests upon someone, God is at work. So Samuel goes to the house and Jesse and Jesse, bring your sons in here and we're going to find one of them. And God told me that in your house today, there's going to be the next king is going to be anointed. It says that Jesse goes through them and begins with the oldest and says, okay, here, here, here's my son. Look at him, big strapping young lad, tough. Been in the military, done all the right things. Samuel says, no, it's not him. Not that one. Ain't what God's looking for. Goes to the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. Finally runs out of sons. Samuel's sitting there like, I know God ain't a liar. Come on, somebody. I know God's not a liar. He told me to come up in this house and he's going to cause me to anoint somebody to be the king of Israel that's going to take Saul's place. And God's not a liar. Jesse, do you got more kids? Well, I got one that I leave out there at the sheep because he ain't fit to be in here with the rest of them. They're not good enough. Come on, somebody. Been left out by society and told that you can't ever do anything. Don't try. Don't attempt. Why? Because God can't fix you. Guess what? We serve a God that is a fixer. And when God says he's going to anoint somebody, he's going to anoint somebody. And he'll take the least and make them the greatest in his kingdom. That's how God works. So if you feel like you've been left out, left back, and uh, uh, nobody's noticed, just keep on tending the sheep. Keep on out there on those hillsides. Because God sees what you do in your car when you're alone. And when you can turn on some praise and worship music and you can act like a fool and maybe you pull up to a red light and somebody's looking over the light, you're like, what's going on over there? It's a Holy Ghost party over here. 
Amen. I'm serving an almighty God. And I've got him fixing some things right now. And I'm praying to him. I'm asking him for some things. I'm looking to him for some answers to my situations. And as you're sitting in that car and they look at you like you're a fool, it's just like little bit roddy, red-headed David sitting out there on those hillsides and killing lions and killing bears with his bare hand. Why? Because God is with him. And I'm sure we all know this little red-headed stepchild named David. Because we know the story from growing up in children's church and Sunday school and David and Goliath, right? And the very things and the lessons that David had learned out there on those hillsides is the exact phrases that he uses when he goes down in that valley to battle with Goliath. The biggest, the baddest, the scariest thing on the planet. The one with all the weapons of war. And I'm going to walk down there with my slingshot. Why? Because I know I've already seen God take down bears. I've already saw him take down lions. And guess what? I'm going to walk on his word. I'm going to trust in what he's doing through me. Why? Because it's been successful before. He was using me out there in those hillsides to prepare me for this situation that I'm getting ready to face. The kings. There's so much that we can talk about in these kings. But we're going to get to Solomon because that's who it's about. But I'm just laying the groundwork for us, okay? So David, Scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. He leaned in. He listened. He prepared himself. He was left out by society, but guess what? Society don't get a pick what God's going to do. The news media don't get to declare what's going to happen. Amen? It's God's will and His ways, period. No need to go any further. Why? Because God is in control. And it may look like a mess to the world. Don't get caught up in the junk. Amen? Because the second you start leaning on your own power and your own understanding and your own resources is the minute you're abandoning God. And He don't call us to follow man. He calls us to follow Him. And David was a man after God's own heart. Does that mean he never messed up? Absolutely not. He committed adultery with a man's, one of his frontline people and one of his greats in his army and Uriah and, and he, he took her on a roof and next thing you know he got to looking too long and next thing you know he committed sin and adultery. The guy comes home, he tries to cover it up. Make sure that whenever a baby comes along that it looks like it's somebody else's. The king was supposed to be out in the middle of war, but where was he at? He's up in his house. And when he's up in his house, he got in a place where he didn't need to get to. Amen. Do what God's called you to do, not what you want to do. Well, it's too easy to sit in the house. I'd, I'd rather just stay over here and do it my way, God. Go ahead and let everybody else go out there and do all the fighting. I'll just sit back and claim all the victory. I'm king. 
Come on, somebody. I'm king. I, I, God's anointed me. I, I remember Samuel pouring oil over my head in Dad's house when nobody else was the point person. If you get caught up in your anointing, it's scary to see the fall that happens. All too often, Christians get too high on ourselves. And it ain't just about kings. We shouldn't think more of ourselves than we ought that it says in Scripture. Jesus painted the greatest picture of all kings. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he came and endured the cross. The suffering of shame was upon him. He come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Why? Because he come to paint a picture that servanthood is what this is about. And the king is to serve, to not be above, but to be beneath. And they talk about it in leadership all the time, that it's like a pyramid, right? And if your leadership position and your org chart that you've got at your workplace or in your business or in your family is you being the top person, your leadership does not match the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a reverse pyramid. And those that's in charge is on the bottom. Amen? Everybody, let's pray a prayer right now and ask God, put me on the bottom. Amen? Put me under the wood pile. Anybody ever played King of the Mountain? I played that when I was a kid. I remember one time in, in school with, with Miss Brown's class and me and Anthony Cole, we was always the runts. True statement, right, Joe Don? You was there. You've witnessed all this. Me and Anthony, we're just the runts. I mean, we're the little people. And there was giants in our land. One of them was named Juice. He's a big old boy. You know, anybody know who I'm talking about? A big old boy. Then you had Kevin Bloomfield. He's another big old boy. All these people around. Next thing you know, we was out there, and you know how little boys are. You get to wrestling, you're like, I'm going to wrestle. Even little guys like to wrestle, too. Next thing I know, I was on the bottom. Anthony Cole's on top of me. And then Jason Bentley and everybody else, Kevin Bloomfield and Juice was on top. It's like a power drive. I didn't think I had any breath left in me. I thought I was going to die. It don't feel good at the bottom. Anybody else ever live at the bottom? It don't feel good at the bottom. That's where you can make a difference. When you get to your lowest of low, and you, when you feel like there's no hope, and when you feel like giving up, that's when God's fixing to get involved. And these kings are pictures of that. The Bible says that as this woman... He had the guy killed, David did, Uriah, got him killed on the front line, put him out. He, he took a piece of paper and placed it in that man's hand, and he said, go out and take this to the front line. And when the captain read the letter, it says, place Uriah on the front line because he knew the battle was getting ready to happen and Uriah would be killed. 
How would you like to carry your own death wish and not even know it? Because of somebody else's mistake and somebody else's cover-up. That don't seem real fair, does it? But I think your eyes got a special place in heaven. Amen? Amen. God is just. And even on this earth, that if it ends badly, guess what? We still serve a just God. And I think there's places in heaven for the just. The righteousness of God. So David covers it all up. Next thing you know, Bathsheba gives birth to a child. Begins to pray. Child's not doing good. And they end up losing the child. And heartache filled the heart of the king. And anybody that's ever suffered loss, you know what loss feels like. And loss is hard. And loss is tough. not about here and I love what the Raylan project accomplishes in our town and I'm thankful to be a part of it every year and go down and get Christmas trees and do all the stuff that we do so that Megan can provide resources to people that's struggling and hurting it's important to not forget where we came from. And we could all be parts of that. Megan will be the first to tell you she's not perfect, but she tries. And that's all God asked of us. But next thing you know, David, King David, marries Bathsheba. And they have another son. He had other wives. He had other sons. Absalom. There's many. But Bathsheba, he has another son. And guess what he names him? Solomon. And that's who this sermon series is about. Is about King David. The giant killer's son. And Solomon... was the youngest of all these and seemed like the least among the brethren to be in succession to King David. But God's got a plan. And King David points it up and gets it all in place and they go out and they anoint Solomon pretty young to be the next king. You know, we can learn lessons in this life and be taught by the best and know a lot, have a lot, a lot, a lot of earthly knowledge. That don't mean we're ready. Because King David and Bathsheba, they'd put their son Solomon through all this training and they'd put him around these wise people surrounding him. And I'm sure he had the best of the best as far as instruction went at the moment that he took over as a king. But in the midst of that, with all that information, doesn't mean you're ready. Now, you need to prepare. The Bible tells us we need to prepare. 
And you need to educate yourself. You can't just throw it all off and say, well, I ain't going to mess with that. That's too much work. I'll just wait and let God do it. He partners with you. Amen? If he could do it by himself, he wouldn't ask you to help him. He can do it by himself. He's choosing not to. He wants to work through humans. Why? Because that's his choice. That's his will. That's the way he wants to do it. God could have been king by himself and come down and put a throne on and lived in an eternal kingdom and never had all this stuff going on. That wasn't his choice. His choice was to make a man, bring him out of the ground, make him a helpmeet out of his side, put him in a garden, let him mess up, and make a way of redemption. That's who he is. That's how he works. That's what he does. In the midst of your mess, he's still there. And if you're sitting here today, feel like you're unprepared, I can't help, I can't do, I can't be involved because I don't know enough. If you wait till you know enough, you're never going to get there. I've heard people tell people they're dumber than a box of rocks. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that? You're dumber than a box of rocks. Yeah, that's... They didn't ask me to go represent Garrison Patriots at the Spelling Bee, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> That's okay. And I always felt like, you know, going to some of those special classes, and I was in special classes, and there's nothing wrong with those, and I thank God for them. Because people like Mr. Wills would sit there and be, he would be fair with me, and I didn't have to look like an idiot in front of my peers. And I didn't have to fake it till I make it. And Mr. Wells would sit there with me and he would he would prepare me one on one. And I thank God for it. And I wouldn't be what I am today if there wasn't a lot of people would tell me that I'm capable of doing what God's called me to do. When your grandmother sets you there and tells you you're special and you don't feel like it and it don't seem like it and the results is not proving it, listen to those wise voices. You hear me? Listen to those wise voices because it's what God wants to do, not what you want to do. Bimbo, you're special. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm special, all right. I'm getting pulled out of classes, and I ain't getting to go through and get my pop and chips. Why? Because I'm over here studying while everybody else is out on recess. I will always fight for the least among us because they deserve a chance. And I hope and pray as Christians that we get better at that. That worldly success is not success in God's eyes. Success is when God gets the most out of you that he's put in you. This ain't what I had here, but it's what's here right now. Amen. 
And God wants you to know it's possible. Don't quit dreaming. Don't quit preparing. Don't stop listening for that still small voice because he's still talking. Just like in the midst of that second song that Leslie couldn't quit. God was at work in hearts in this room. And the reason he didn't want her to quit because he said don't quit. She could have made a choice to say, nah, I'm just rolling on. We've got to get out of here by 1130. That's okay. But God said, hang in there a minute. And when he's working, let's just let him work. Even if it's in silence. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. It's just let him do his work. His perfect work. So, what are we going to do with these kings? What are we going to do with the things of God? What are we going to do with this sermon series? I'm asking you to go along this journey with me as we study the king, King Solomon. He did some things right. He did some things wrong. But God used him anyway. And let's learn from those lessons. And let's let God work on our heart to do the things he desires to do. Because sometimes his will is bigger than our abilities. We're not able to build a church in our own power. It's his building. And whatever he wants to do, that's what we end up doing. You know why? Because it's his anyway. And I'm anxious, ain't you? So you guys probably get it just as much as I do. Anybody in the room get it? See that sign up there? When are you going to start? I'm ready. Come on over and help. There's been people in this community that doesn't attend church come up to me and said, let me know the second you start, I'll come up and help. Amen. Whenever God does it, we can just participate a little bit and watch and see the glory of what he does. And I'm anxious. I'm ready. But he's the king. And I love what my friend at work says. He don't call himself a peasant. He says he's a pheasant. He said, all we are is a bunch of pheasants. I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I resemble that remark. God wants to do something through this message series. And I'm looking forward to it. And this is just a prelude to what's going to happen. Be prepared for what God does. Read the book of Kings. Read these stories. And let them apply to your heart because God's going to speak to you through the week, not just on the weekend. Okay? Everybody do that with me? Book of Kings. Let's read about Solomon. And let's go on a journey and let God speak and let us do what he's asked us to do. If you bow your head and close your eyes.
as the quote I posted on Facebook this morning, inviting people to church on the church's account, the philosopher said, if you don't learn from the lessons of history, you're, you're doomed and destined to repeat it. A philosopher is a, the definition of that is a person who offers views or theories on profound questions in ethics, metaphysics, logic, and other related fields. Just because somebody tells you something don't mean you have to live it out. We're all philosophers. Because a philosopher is one who offers their views or their theory. And everybody in this room, you've offered your view and your theory. But God's calling you to give that up. He's saying, lay that down. There's nothing wrong with speaking wisdom. Or speaking God's word. Or declaring God's word to be true. He's saying give up on your earthly theories and views. Because he needs a clean slate to work with. Nobody looking around. Everybody just heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this place today and God's spirit is at work in your heart and he's telling you to clean the slate, wipe it clean. Give up on your views, give up on your theories and see what I'll do. If he's speaking to you right now, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, he's telling me to clean the slate, to wipe it off, to quit giving my opinions. Amen. Thank you for that hand. There's others. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Just give up on your opinions, clean the slate, and say, God, I want to see the picture that you are creating because the one I've created is a mess. And I need you to work on me. And I'm willing to give you that clean slate. Is there others that say, that's me? Amen. Young or old, give it to him. Quit trying to fix it. He's the fixer. You're broke down along the side of the road, and he's Henry Ford driving by and saying, I don't want my stuff out there broke down because somebody's going to see it. I want to help you get on that journey and keep on going on. That's what he's doing right now. He's wanting to fix what you've broken. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I pray right now as people are here and they're praying, the ones that's lifted their hands, the ones that is in in a questionable moment, that they're in, in a point of decision, God, I pray today that you would equip us to be clean slates for you. And God, that you would write your plans upon our heart. And God, that you would show us how 
and what to do. That you would give us clear direction. That your voice would ring in our hearts throughout this message series of the King Solomon. In all of his splendor, in all of his wisdom. The things that you did through him, God. Allow us to accomplish things here in our community. Not that we would receive any recognition ourselves, but God, that you would be sown as working through us. That they would see you and not us. Clean slates in this room, clean minds in this room. The one that has troublesome thoughts that you're you're battling in your mind. Scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He's asking us to serve like never before. In a day and hour where there's trouble on every side, serve like never before. When it feels like the pressures of life is too much and you're on the bottom of the woodpile, you're serving because that's where he has placed you. God, equip your people to do the ministry, the work of the ministry. Let the people of the bridge be people that will rise up and call you blessed, that will place you in the position you need to be placed as king of our lives. Let us learn of you so that we can do your will on this planet and make heaven our home. We pray these things to equip your body, Jesus, like never before. With trouble on every side, with people sitting in here with broken hearts, that's suffering from loss, of depression, of anxiety, of fears. Lord, that their mind is running rampant, that it's it's just like the enemy is coming in and he's just scribbling everything out and, and mixing everything up. God, I pray for a clean slate in this room. Let our minds be cleared. Give us peace like never before. Anxiety be gone in the name of Jesus. Fear be replaced by faith in the name of Jesus. Depression be gone in the name of Jesus. For those that will watch, that will listen, God, help us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our trials. Help us not to break anything else. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Won't you just lay your hand over there on your neighbor sitting beside of you? There's people in this room that needs prayer right now. God, I pray over Sister Joanne as she's in rehab down there at the place right now. God, I just pray over Sister Joanne, over David, over her family. God, over those that are sitting here in our body today, in this place that has needs, God, that they're bringing before you. God, I pray as these people reach over and lay hands on them right now that faith be released from heart to heart and breast to breast. In Jesus' name, that faith would be released in this room, that strength would come, that your peace would come, that health would come. Bring it in Jesus' name. God, we thank you so much for everything that you've done in this place today. Help us to be king kingdoms 
on this planet and do your will. In Jesus' name, we're a royal priesthood. In Jesus' name, help us to do your will. Amen. Amen. Love God, love people. Be a blessing to somebody this week. Read the book of Kings. It's going to be good.